You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 podcast studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast, a week into free agency. Glad to have you along for the ride. I'm Dave Griffiths alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell. We'll continue to discuss the Colts' free agent move so far. Also discuss where the horseshoe could potentially go from here. Seven days into free agency. Heck, that's just the beginning for Chris Ballard when uh, you look at his history, as we have said many times before. But we'll also look at what division rivals in the AFC South have done so far in the free agency. I know you guys out there can get so pigeonholed looking only at the Colts for for a while. You want to broaden your horizons a little bit and see, uh, see what else is out there, especially for the teams the Colts need to play twice a year. But first, we will open up with, of course, the news of the week that just broke yesterday, Wednesday, as T.Y. Hilton announced on Twitter that he is re-signing with the Indianapolis Colts to come back and start his 10th season in the NFL, all of them, with the horseshoe. It's a reported one-year, $10 million deal, $8 million of that guaranteed. The $2 million in incentives come if he tops 80 receptions and 900 receiving yards. And typically in a T.Y. Hilton year, that's those are fairly good numbers. But of course, last year, Mike uh, did not come close to those numbers. Certainly had a better finish to his year than he had a start to it. But uh, I'm I'm sure that uh, the Colts are eager and antsy to to bring T.Y. back and uh, uh, hopefully get him back to uh, some of those uh, older numbers and uh, and pay him that extra two million uh, to to reach the ten million and and pass those incentives and uh, see the T.Y. of old. Yeah, if this if this signing was right, then he gets two million dollars extra, because barring injury, I mean those are numbers he needs to he needs to reach uh, a thousand some yards. Again, it's a deep group, barring injuries with Pascal and Pittman and and you hope to heavens uh, Paris Campbell, but th- they're bringing him back because they needed that veteran presence. I mean, who the veteran presence would have been Zach Pascal. And and he's a great great role player. And whenever we say this, it sounds like it's a knock on him, and, and it's not meant to be. Uh, but every every player has a role and a niche and a spot on the depth chart for a reason. But they need to, they needed Ty back for a lot of reasons. And I was getting nervous only because I at, at this point I wasn't liking what Plan B would have been. It was kind of like with the Carson Wentz thing. If, if Wentz didn't get done when it did, who? And right now, if T.Y. hadn't gotten done, who? Sammy Watkins? I mean, really? So so th- this was important to get done. And I, I believe you guys may have heard it, but T.Y. was on the Pat McAfee, and he apparently indicated that, that Jim Irsay sort of said, let's get this done. So maybe they did sweeten it a little bit. This was probably... Xavier Rhodes might have been the, the most important guy to bring back because of the position and the depth or lack of it there. But T.Y. was a very, very close second, and I could argue the most important uh, guy to resign. although it's just one year. We may, may be back doing this again next year. Joe, I know that you listened to that uh, Pat McAfee-T.Y. Hilton discussion. I haven't do, done it yet, so I mean, I, I've seen bits and pieces of stuff on Twitter, so uh, I'll let you kind of break down what, what you heard from T.Y. on that interview uh, instead of uh, just fawning over uh, everything that I've seen. So so what'd you hear? Yeah, I, I just caught a clip before the show on Twitter. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to the full thing. I think okay, it came okay. out today, but he was saying that... Um, 
Pat McAfee kind of asked him because T.Y. put out a tweet with like the little eyeball emojis. And he was like, was that when Jim Irsay reached out to you? And he said, no, that's when I was about five seconds away from signing with the Ravens. Um, it sounded like he was almost a Baltimore Raven and at the last second decided to stay home. Um, and I mean, I just love the I love the burn, hashtag bring T.Y. home campaign that all the fans kind of rallied around to try and get T.Y. back. Uh, not only from the love of T.Y., but like Mike said, the other options at this point weren't looking so great. So it was kind of T.Y. or bust in the receiving group for uh, Indianapolis. But very happy to have him back. And he's going to be a very important, probably still the lead piece of that receiving core, unless a huge jump comes from Paris Campbell or Pittman Jr. Yeah, Mike, I think you look at the Colts receiving core, and you've touched on this, of course, as well, but uh, you you like a lot of the young guys they have. You like we, we like Pittman. We like Paris. Um, Patman's a project. Uh, Pascal is great in the role that he does, but at the same time, you, you can't rely on just the potential of those young guys to fully take significant steps forward and really be a, a, a dynamic receiving core um, in this time of year, you need to make another move, I think, if you're the Colts and you want to be able to compete against the best teams in the AFC, teams like the the Chiefs, uh, who have Tyreek Hill and, uh, and Kelsey as well, like multiple big-time receiving threats out there who can go up and get a ball deep, who can go over the middle of the field and break uh, break one that's a 10-yard pass to a 20-yard pass to a 30-yard pass. And like, like I said, you kind of like some of the younger guys, but I don't. I wouldn't like going into the season with those guys as as the top uh, top of the bill. Well, the the problem you're going to run into though is that your your top five guys, as we sit here now, are T. Y. Pittman, Zach Pascal, Paris Campbell, and Desmond Patman. So I think last year they may have carried six. But the problem you have is normally your receivers are special team guys, and Pascal probably is, but T. Y. isn't. Pittman really isn't. Uh, Paris Campbell probably isn't. Patman might be, but but if you bring in and again, maybe they do. Maybe after maybe this is after the uh, move after the draft to bring in a Sammy Watkins type of guy because it's going to be you get after the draft and it's more than likely going to be that that one year three or four million dollar contract. So that's still very possible. We've not mentioned the gadget guys. Ashton Doolin and uh, the Michael Harris. Uh, you certainly can't say they're top five. You, you you hope they're not top five. But when you bring in a veteran guy, that pushes somebody down or out of the mix. Pat or Desmond Patman probably. So I, I wouldn't rule that out because I, a couple of years ago, I remember we talked to Chris Ballard after the season, and the one thing he regretted, he said he really kicked himself was not having better depth at wide receiver. Now, this is after all the receivers were hurt. And you, you, can, only, you, you can only carry six at, at most. So to say you don't have enough depth is crazy. You can't you, – most times you can't prepare for, for when a, a particular position gets ravaged. I could see him bringing in a mid-level guy. But to do that, you're, you're, you're telling – barring injury – you're telling Desmond Patton that you know to wait your turn, which he's done nothing to prove that that he that he's a top five guy. Anyway, we've seen good things in practice, but nothing beyond that. So, do do they still bring in a veteran guy? Probably, but wouldn't you think after the draft? I'm not sure if I draft a receiver 
because you've tried that in the later rounds. It's really not worked with, you know, the, the Reese Fountains and Deion Keynes and all that. So if you're going to do that, it, ne- it needs to be the veteran guy with with the low contract. But having said that, I'd much rather my, my prefer or my priority right now is that pass catching tight end. So if 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 that's what you want to do, I go for and who that is, I don't know. I mean Zach Ertz, I don't know. But I think before bringing in a veteran receiver to add more to this group, this isn't a great group. It's a good group. But right now, tight end is a lot more pressing than wide receiver. Joe, circling back to T.Y. and uh, the hashtag bring T.Y. home campaign. I mean, there's a obviously a significant chunk of the Colts fan base that loves T.Y., but there's also the ones that come out and say that he's injured all the time, he's over the hill, um, and that's why, of course, you're he's only getting one year on this deal. He's not getting four or five years on this deal at 31 years old or 32 years old, whatever he's at right now. But um, T.Y. was P, uh, pro football focus's 14th highest-graded wide receiver over the past uh, 18, 19, 23 seasons. So even in the recent part of his career, he's been very effective he was very healthy last year, only missed one game. Um, the, the only thing that was down last year was really the production. And so you start to ask yourself, or at least I ask myself, how much of that was due to Phillip Rivers? And that's not a knock on Phillip Rivers, but Phillip really did get the ball out so quickly. And that was one of his strengths, is get the snap, make the read, make the pass. And T.Y. is a guy that thrives in the longer developing plays. You wonder if the Colts are better suited for that under Carson Wentz than they were under Philip Rivers. At least that's what I wonder when I look at this deal. Ty probably has a lot to look forward to this year, more than he, more to look forward to this year under Carson Wentz. I would think than he had to look forward to last year under Philip Rivers. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I believe Stephen Holder I saw on Twitter made the point about Carson Wentz's ability to prolong plays and escape the pocket and kind of make something out of nothing and that being an area where ty can now shine kind of like he did with andrew luck where andrew luck so many times would kind of extend the play roll out and then find ty hilton kind of breaking off his route and just finding the open area on the football field and so i think carson wentz will be a much better connection for ty wilton T.Y. Hilton, uh, much stronger Him arm too. to kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, much stronger arm to kind of zip the ball in there or get it deeper down the field. Um, I mean, there were several times last year we saw T.Y. Hilton kind of open down the field, and for one re- reason or another, either the pass wasn't there or the the drop against Minnesota. T.Y. had opportunities, and it just kind of wasn't there early in the season with Rivers. But then over the last six games, his yards per catch did jump back up to 16 yards per catch. So he did show he can still be that big play threat over a stretch of games there. So I think T.Y. Hilton, a 1,000-yard season for him this year is certainly not out of the question. I want to also point out, Joe, that uh, it's not just Andrew Luck that T.Y. Hilton thrived in in the, in the quarterback that can kind of extend plays. Early on in the 2019 season, when Jacoby Brissett was healthy, T.Y. did a tremendous job extending plays. I mean, catching the ball from Jacoby, extending play. And that was like, that was what what he was special at, what Jacoby was special at. Breaking a tackle, it, extending a play, right? I mean... It, it uh, almost at, seemed like that was half of T.Y.'s catches that year were from Brissett trying to make something out of nothing. For real, and especially early in the year when Jacoby was healthy. Like, the first couple weeks of the season were his best. He came out gangbusters in 2019. He had nine catches, uh, eight catches, rather, two touchdowns week one. 
only four catches, but a touchdown the next week. Eight catches, a touchdown week three. So each of the first three weeks, T.Y. is finding the end zone, and he's getting eight, four, eight catches. He had 20 catches after three weeks. That's pretty darn good. So so um, I, I really think that T.Y., like I said earlier, I really think T.Y. has a lot to look forward to with Carson Wentz this year. We'll see how that pans out. But uh, Mike turning to T.Y.'s ultimate future with the Colts last offseason, he said that he was going to sign one more contract in the NFL, and then he was going to be done. Do you think that holds true now that this is only a one-year deal, or T.Y. might, or we might be in the same situation again next year, seeing if T.Y. Hilton wants to come back since it was only a one-year deal that he just signed? If he has a year that, that he hopes and the team envisions, he's going to want to keep playing. When he told us that next contract's my last contract, he went on to say, you know, two years, three years, four years, whatever that'll be my last contract. So I don't think he at the time last May envisioned a one-year contract. So this does, you know, we've all written how he wants to be a Colt for life and this allows that to happen. Well, only through next year. So again, we could very well be back here next year. And and then it, it, let's say he is what you hope him to be 80 catches, whatever those incentives were 80 catches, 900 yards, but he's a year older. And if, if Pittman has the year you hope he has, and if Campbell stays on the field and Pascal, then do you bring T.Y. back another year, another year older? We're not to where it was with Reggie and Marvin. People tried to say, well, you know, the Colts walked away from those two players. Yeah, they were both like 35 or 36 at, okay. the, t- at the time. So th- this will be interesting to see how T.Y. approaches it. And I think if he's still an effective player, and I, I, I do think there'll be more opportunities. I, I think the team, either publicly or privately, would admit they underused T.Y. last year for whatever the reason, for whatever the reason. And I think if he's if he's what they think they're going to be, he'll want to keep playing, and, and then it'll be back on the Colts as, if you want him back, what's your, what's your willingness financially to bring him back? Do you guys think the – sorry, I want to – because it took a while for T.Y. to get signed and to come back with the Colts. Do you think the number of years might have been what held that up? You know, T.Y. last offseason obviously had in his mind a multiple-year contract. Um, Do you think he just kind of wanted to get more years out of the Colts or whatever team that would sign him, a little more stability? I think that's a very reasonable guess, and especially if the word – out of Baltimore was the Ravens are offering him more money. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean they were offering him more money for one year. Like the Ravens could have been offering two years, 18 million. You know, that that's just me throwing throwing something at a wall. That's not me reporting. But like they offer him 18 million. That's technically more money, even though the Colts at 10 million would be offering him more for one s- single year. You know what I'm saying? So um, so I'm sh- I, not I, I'm not sure that's a. Uh, that's it, Joe. But but I think that's a very reasonable, uh, very reasonable deduction to make well, the, based on the, the circumstances. The, the question is what what was the difference in the in the real money? See, I, I, I the, the Colts could have offered him what this is. Let's say this is one year, ten million. They could have offered him three years and thirty million. When in essence, which is I th- we we have talked about that we mm-hmm. we all we all thought it would be a multi year deal that maybe in essence, was a one-year deal. And all that means is, what money are you guaranteeing? You know, I can give a guy $50 million in, in 2022 that goes away if I cut him. So now whether or not the Ravens were offering him 
two years, three years, and $35 million, and, and more than, than $8 million was guaranteed. I thought I saw again with, with T.Y. I need to get off when we're done here listen to the what I can listen to from the interview with, with McAfee. But he said they offered, uh, the Ravens offered him more money than the Colts, than he got from the Colts the, the day he would have signed. So there apparently was more guaranteed money from the Ravens. But you can look at all these contracts around the league with voidable years, which simply means they're there for bookkeeping purposes. I thought the Colts would have given him two years, $20 million with 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 the second year being, you know, easily go away. But I'd like to I'd like to see hard fast what the Ravens did offer. Uh, but but for a player, the only thing that matters, the only thing, isn't the length of the contract. It's how much money you guarantee him. So you know he he he's guaranteed eight eight million here. I'm curious what the Ravens offer guaranteed wise. Well, and last thing I'll say about the contract and Hilton here is to that point, if he does have a good year where he meets these incentives and gets thousand yards or whatever you would uh, qualify a good year for T.Y. Hilton to be, he'll hit the open market again next offseason when the salary cap is expected to jump back up and he might have another payday in line if he has the year that he's hoping to have. So he might be able to cash in twice here. Um, It kind of goes both ways as far as wanting more years or just wanting that one-year deal. And if T.Y. has a T.Y.-type season, right now he sits at 9,360 receiving yards for his career. So with just 640 yards, he would top 10,000, joining Marvin Harrison and Reggie Waynes, the three Colts in franchise history, to top 10,000 yards, and all of them, of course, playing their entire careers in Indianapolis. That would be one heck of an accomplishment for uh, for T.Y. to join those two in that uh, rarefied air. And one one thing that's kind of cool as it now stands is he's he's got a chance – depending on next year, to, to, to play his entire career with one team. And that doesn't happen a lot. It did with Reggie, although Reggie, let's not forget, Reggie tried to go to New England, the, the evil empire, uh, to extend <laughs> it. Marvin didn't. Uh, not a lot of guys. You know, Peyton Manning leaves. Uh, Dwight Freeney leaves. Edron James leaves. Uh, Robert Mathis got to finish. Sort of went out on his own. I, I think he more than anyone went out on his own. But more and more, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, for crying out loud. So it would be kind of nice to have that happen. But uh, we'll see how this thing plays out next year. Because, again, I let's not rule out that, that the Colts and T.Y. have this same uh, docudrama going on uh, 12 months from now. Plenty more news to get to besides T.Y. Hilton for the Colts. The franchise also re-signed corner Xavier Rhodes. Reported one-year deal worth $6.5 million dollars. Uh, Rhodes was top 10 in the uh, NFL and pro football focuses rankings last year. He started all 16 games, only two interceptions, which came very early in the year, both of them against the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And he will be 31 years old this June. So as we discussed over the last couple weeks, and especially when we really took the one week, excuse me, to dive into into cornerbacks, um, there were a lot of free agent corners this year, like a lot of them. It was it was eye popping to me when when Joe put together the list just to see how many guys were out there and how many good guys were out there, how many young guys were out there. So Xavier really went into this offseason. Um, behind the eight ball might be harsh, but it could also be true. 
in terms of what he could find with different teams. Uh, and and it, there's kind of some evidence to that. The fact that he only gets a one-year deal, $6.5 million, after really having a stellar year for the Colts last year. So, uh, Mike, I think uh, if you asked us last offseason uh, that the Colts were going to get Xavier Rhodes for basically two years and less than $10 million is what, you, what it comes down to when you combine both deals together, um, that, that's a pretty good deal. And, of course, that hinges on how well he's able to um, perform in 2021. But um, $6.5 million for a corner that was uh, eighth highest graded in pro football fo- focus last year is, uh, is not too shabby. It'll be interesting to see when all this is we're doing hindsight is how much did the, the you know, the, the regressed or whatever you want to call it salary cap. Yeah. Play, play into all these because you're seeing, again, we talked about a handful of players are, are getting big contracts. They are. And an awful lot of guys are not, you know, it, it's been that one year, 5 million, one year, 6.5, one year, 10 million for TY. Will Fuller, didn't he get a one year contract? I think it was that there's a lot yes, of guys, yes, and and that's what and that's what guys are going to get from now on probably. Although it's it's crazy with the list. I remember with the list that we had talked about in in previous shows, the left tackles, they're still there. I mean, what are these guys going to get? Uh, Villanueva and people like that. What will he get? Will he get a one year five million dollar deal? Really? And yeah. If that's the case, if that's the case, bring him in here right now. But but uh, it's I just want it'd be very interesting to see. We all knew that the market was not this was not the time to be a veteran free agent. It's not the time to be a veteran free agent who's thirty plus because teams are are looking to for the shorter deals. And right now these players are are they're, they're you know once again not knowing if Xavier had any other offers, may have may maybe not. But he's he's in another one year prove it deal, and these guys are banking all these one year deals. These guys are banking on that one year, having another year, and then if the cap goes up next year, or if it's twenty twenty three, I'm not sure what the mechanics are for the new TV deal. Then you're going to see this cap explode, absolutely explode, and these players want to be there when the cap goes up and the money is flush, and not be locked into a four year deal that they signed during a a, a bad cap year. Yep. So, I mean, I'm sure teams would love to lock people in for lower money, but uh, it, especially in the Will Fuller case, Joe, what I read was Fuller wanted a one-year prove-it deal, and, and that really makes sense from the player's perspective. I mean, y- you you look at what the TV deal is for, for the coming future for the NFL, and you look at what the salary cap is this year, and you hope COVID's in the past when it comes to this fall – and all signs are pointing to the dollars going way up in the immediate future. So if you're a free agent next offseason, it, uh, it could be the prime time. So uh, all these one-year deals for guys like Xavier Rhodes, this, this could be paying off in the future for them, even though right now you, quote, quote, take a hit, if that's a way to put it, but certainly uh, not get what, in Xavier Rhodes, what I think he deserved for, for the type of season he had last year. Yeah, and a guy like Fuller especially, I mean, he he wants to prove that he can stay healthy again for another year. This past year was really the first year he was able to stay healthy, and it wasn't even for a full season because he got suspended at the end of the year. So uh, a lot of players trying to show to teams and kind of display their talent so they can really cash in in future years because of all the reasons you guys just laid out. A few additions outside of the former Colts who the team brought back. The Colts have signed a pair of former 
San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers, including defensive end Isaac Rochelle, one year, two and a half million dollar deal. Former Notre Dame standout, 6'4", 280 pounds. He played in 51 games in four seasons with the Chargers. Um, so he mentioned guys like Philip Rivers uh, during his uh, Meet the Media session with, with Indy. And, and Mike, I, I don't know how much fans care about this, but I care about this. I, I, are, I already love this guy because he's a great interview. So I hope he does well. And uh, for the f- simple fact that we get to talk to him in relevant fashions over the next couple years. Yeah, it's funny when, when we prioritize... Uh, player moves and player departures and additions. How good of talkers are they? What are they going to be in the locker, in the locker room? This is guy is going, is going to be a go-to guy. Uh, it, it, that's why we'll talk in a minute about losing Anthony Walker. He was a go-to guy. Yep. Uh, he understand. He understood that we had roles or jobs to do, and he was there to help us. He was very accessible. He was very insightful. You know, in the past, Mike Adams, people like that. And and Isaac was really really cool. Good talking to him. You hope that uh, he's the second coming of Danico Autry. We'll see. What's really kind of fun to look at is they're very similar, uh, Rochelle and Autry. Their first, you know, they're, they're coming off four years with one team. Each was a rotational player. Rochelle with the Chargers and Autry with the Raiders. Now Autry was a little more uh, of a contributor. But the Colts are, are looking at guys who weren't quite there yet with their previous teams, and maybe they're catching them, you know, on the upswing. And if they get even remotely, remotely out of Rochelle, they got a Danico Autry. Uh, they got they got a good pick. But keep in mind, they gave Autry three years, seven seventeen point eight million, and they gave Isaac one point or two point five. So the expectations are quite a bit less. But that, that's what that's what you're doing now. And you're trying. You're you're almost trying to find lightning in a bottle again. They've been very, very good, very good at finding quality talent uh, on the cheap and, and and at an expense on the defensive line. Jabal shared, you know, again, Danico, Justin Houston, and on and on. Uh, but they need this guy to be a factor because right now uh, the defensive end spots is pretty thin. Yeah, you mentioned the similarities between Autry and and Rochelle here, just in the numbers. And Joe put uh, put Rochelle's numbers here: seventy four tackles, nine and a half sacks, twelve quarterback hits in his first four years. So that's what the Colts are getting now. Uh, here's Autry's numbers from um, from his first four years in Oakland before coming to Indy. Uh, he had ten and a half sacks, so just one sack more. Uh, now I have to do math. Dar- darn it. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 80, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. So like 100 tackles, I think, uh, if correct. my math is correct. Yeah, hey, 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 nice. 100 tackles, 24 and tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, and 21 quarterback hits. 21. So, so well, he, was a, he's a, he, he was more active. Yes. But, 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 but again, you, you just haven't seen yet Rochelle take off yet, and that's what they're hoping for. For sure. Let's remember who was ahead of Rochelle on that Chargers depth chart. I mean, Bosa and Ingram, there were uh, Nwosu's, another good pass rusher. There were some good players ahead of him to rush the passers. So it's not surprising if maybe he had less of an opportunity. I know I'm trying to make excuses for a guy who's now a Colt, but, you know, there's some potential there. Well, and one thing to keep keep in mind about it is is they're bringing him to be, they're bringing him in to be the Danico Autry type player. You know, maybe early downs, play defensive end, 
And then we, because he was talked about, then there were times he, you know, move him inside in the pass rush. And that's what they did with Autry. Autry was a quality, quality inside pass rusher. So they can only hope that they, they've got the second coming of Nico Autry. We, we won't put those expectations on him, but the, Col- the Colts would love that. Offensive tackle Sam Tevy also coming over from the Chargers. One year, $2.5 million deal. Exactly the same as Rochelle. And uh, he's 26 years old. He started uh, 29 of 32 games at right tackle in 2018 and 2019. Started uh, 14 at left tackle last season. Is that correct, Joe? He started 14 games last season? I didn't know that he started 14 games. Anyway, um, Pro Football Focus gave him a grade of 52.9. That is less than spectacular. And it led to, uh, I, was, I did a little dive on, on Tevi to find what, uh, what Chargers fans were saying about letting him go. And uh, Boltbeat, the fan-sided website, said Sam Tevy was an unmitigated disaster for the Chargers <laughs> in 2020. So, so take take that how you will. Um, if you thought that uh, LaRaven Clark and Chaz Green were disappointing, I think the the Chargers thought the exact same of Sam Tevy. So, uh, th- this is not by any stretch of the imagination, Mike, the guy that the Colts are signing to certainly protect Carson Wentz's blind side. He's a guy that they're signing to to add depth to the line, and a guy who has experience on both sides that you can throw in in a pinch. If I if if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I was looking back just to double check. He started 15 games right tackle in 18, and in 14 the last two years. Okay, uh, okay, okay. Right, right tackle in 2019, and it says left tackle in 2020. But they still need left tackle. This is anyone who thinks that they signed their. The 26-year-old left tackle of the future at one year, 2.5 million. Uh, you're delusional. So yeah, I, this 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 cries out to be the swing the swing tackle right now, backup tackle. Because uh, I don't, you know, there's I I don't see them resigning the Raven Clark, who's coming off uh, still dealing with the Achilles and Chaz Green. So that that's what you're looking for. And, and again. We'll get closer to the draft. I just have to believe round one, round two, round one, I hope, is a left tackle. I know you, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into what you need to get from the draft. What they what they really hope to get is is a starting left tackle. But, again, I, like I said, there's still some left ta- veteran left tackles, quality left tackles out there. And where do they go? And at this point, they're not going to get major money. So maybe you get one of those veteran tackles – relatively inexpensive and then then you let your your draft pick round one round two if if you if with no third rounder you're not drafting your left tackle in round four on you're simply not so maybe you can get one of those veteran tackles on the cheap for a year and let your your rookie kind of learn under him I believe that I was the one who said that a couple weeks ago with Jason Peters on this very Colts Blue Zone podcast. Right. Sign him and then see who you, you can get in the first round. But that, that's something, Mike and, and Joe, uh, in particular, that, that is working against um, the, the veteran group of tackles right now is that this is a pretty good year for first-round tackles, Joe. So you, you, there's a bunch of guys that are expected to be taken in the first round or maybe high second round. And so teams are like, you know what, if we really need a tackle, we can get a guy for four years, five years on the cheap and not have to sign one of these veterans for $10 million. Yeah, and that, to this point, seems to be the Colts' plan because yep. there are several talented tackles in the draft, and they're the kind of ta- there's going to be probably five or six go in the first round, and maybe three or four of those go 
win the Colts pick or after. So I think the Colts are kind of waiting to see right now. Maybe a veteran's price drops down low enough that the Colts go ahead and bring them in, uh, a Villanueva, Russell Lacoon. But they're probably going to have to add that guy in the draft because they're paying everyone else on the offensive line so much. Losses for the Colts in free agency. Linebacker Anthony Walker, one-year, $3.5 million deal with the Cleveland Browns. And this is one that certainly hurt Darius Leonard. Was was all over Twitter. Very, I don't know if upset was the right word, but uh, certainly uh, disappointed to see one of his, uh, his, his best friends and favorite teammates go. And uh, I think, guys, uh, Mike, we saw the writing on the wall with this um, as Bobby Okariki came on. Uh, but uh, th- th- make no mistake, the Colts are going to miss Anthony Walker. As he was just, he was, he was very stable. He was seasoned. He didn't make many mistakes at linebacker. He made a ton of tackles. Um, certainly not the same playmaker that Darius Leonard is, and that the Colts hope Bobby Okereke to be. But when you let him walk, you're letting go a guy that was certainly reliable in the middle of the field for you for the past couple years. Well, go back and listen to to Chris Ballard at the end of the season and. He, he just went on and on and on about the leadership qualities. Remember how he talked about he's going to be a GM or a coach, whatever. And, and I can see that it's, it's you, 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 the problem with Anthony Walker, we've talked about this is he doesn't play that prime linebacker position. He's sort of like that uh, very good running back that you work, that you, that you kind of work him to death for four years and then you move on. Unless you're really, really good at linebacker, you're going to be here four years and move on. Again, we talked about Mike Peterson and Marcus Washington and even David Thornton back in the day. Uh, you just don't pay that linebacker that kind of money. And when and then when you have a Bobby Okereke come in and shows you to be maybe, not maybe, but a, a more athletic player, we'll see if he's as productive as Anthony Walker, but even when we talked to Anthony at the end of last season, he sort of hinted that it might be tough coming back there because he wants to start. And he saw his his snaps decline as Okariki's increased. You play so much, you know, nickel package and all that stuff. That That's where Walker comes off the field for the most part. So he goes to Cleveland with a chance of, you know, still, still being around, still making decent money, not great money. But we'll see how they replace – the, the presence of Walker more than the player of Walker. And sometimes, remember we talked, who was it, Al Woods? Who, who did they lament losing that one year? Was, was it, it I think Mike it was Al? Mitchell? Yeah, that was a big one, too. Yeah, that was a big one, too. And, and, and sometimes the locker room presence is overblown. But uh, Anthony Walker, he, he, his presence was felt in that locker room. And sometimes you, you, it, it's tough replacing that. Could be tough to replace guys on the defensive line like Justin Houston, uh, who is still undetermined on his future in the NFL, hasn't signed with anybody, Al-Qadeen Muhammad neither. Uh, Cornerback T.J. Carey, tight end Trey Burton, and safety Malik Hooker, who recently visited with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Out of all those players, um, I I think Hooker is the least likely to return, uh, just because the Colts appear to be set there, and Hooker's best attributes probably could fit better in another defense. But I, I think probably Houston is the most likely to return. If the Colts want a tight end, maybe they'd try to go somewhere else beside Trey Burton or draft someone. Um, but um, they, they could not be done at defensive end. So, so, Mike, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston still is, is a guy who, who comes back 
uh, to the Colts uh, next season? Probably the most likely to return is Muhammad, only because of his price. Yeah, right. Yeah, but 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 he doesn't he doesn't solve your problem. Justin Houston, you know, hypothetically solves your problem as long as he can do a little bit more than he did last year. He he gives you he gives you the potential of 10, 12 sacks. Muhammad doesn't. Muhammad's kind of you know as we've seen, he's a very good rotational player. I won't be surprised if if when the market really settles that they bring Houston back on that one-year deal and we can throw numbers, seven, eight million. I don't know what, what what you would pay for him. I would like better than Trey Burton. I was underwhelmed last year outside of his versatility around the goal line. But uh, uh, now that they've got, you know, the quarterback in position, they've got the uh, corner and wide receiver taken care of, the glare, glaring holes are, are pass rush, in left tackle, and I just I just don't trust a team to find a pass rusher at 21 or in the second round. What are they? I don't even know what they're drafting in the second round, 56 or whatever it is, 54. Keep in mind the reason the reason that they're in this spot for pass rusher is over the last three drafts they've had Kamoko Ture. Taekwon Lewis and Ben Banigo, all second-round picks, all guys taken with the top 64 picks. And those guys combined for 15 sacks. That's not going to get it. And if you cannot possibly sit here today and say, you know, I think this is the year Kamoko Ture really takes off. Hey, you hope so. But that's why some way between now and May – They've got to bring in a guy that not only do you think can get you 10, 12 sacks, but has done it in the past. So I think that's still – I think Justin Houston is very possible. If not him, who? Melvin Ingram? I, I don't know where you go if you don't bring Justin Houston back. Yeah, Joe, you put together a great list here of uh, left tackles and defensive ends that are still available. And when you look at the biggest names on this list on, on both sides for, for left tackle, it's probably Russell Okung, Eric Fisher – Defensive end, uh, Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlop, uh, Jadavian Clowney, Ryan Kerrigan, all guys who have had double-digit sacks. I believe they've all had. Maybe Dunlop hasn't, but, but they're certainly capable of getting the quarterback, all these guys. so uh, has, I think, has, has Clowney had a double-sack season? No, he's gotten nine and a half like two or three times. But he's, he's, a guy, he's a guy that I think would drive Matt Eberfluss crazy. Oh, yeah. There, I think there's a 0% chance that he's coming to the Colts. He's, he's, such, a disrupt, <laughs> he's a, such a disruptive undisciplined player, Eberflus would have trouble putting him on the field. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But, Joe, I think if they went a big name, quote-unquote, it's much more possible to get a defensive end or much more likely to get a defensive end than a left tackle at this point. I, I'm I'm almost convinced now that it's going to be left tackle in the first round for the Colts, whether they trade up or trade down, what have you. Uh, I, I think if they, if they sign someone, quote-unquote, big in free agency, it's going to be defensive end, and they're going to wait wait for the draft to get their left tackle that they really want. I agree because that's where you need the veteran presence. Like Micah said, they have yeah. three second round picks at defensive end that they're waiting to come on. And by the way, even if one of them does come on, you need two of them. So bring in a veteran and, you know, let's go ahead and mark Clowney off. Ingram, Dunlap, Kerrigan, I'm not sure any of these guys are better 
and Justin Houston at this point. So I kind of agree with both of you, and it seems likely that the Colts will bring Justin Houston back because he's had success here, and it, it just seems to make sense on both sides because I don't know where else they go at pass rush. There's no way they can count on two of those guys to break out. Maybe you bring in a veteran um, like Houston back or Dunlap. I kind of like the idea of Dunlap uh, or even Ingram, and then you hope the trio of Lewis – Teray and Banigou can hold down the other defensive end spot. Yeah, both of those guys. I mean, Kerrigan, um, Dunlap, uh, who's the third one you're talking about? Melvin Ingram. Like Kerrigan and Dunlap, they're both in their 30s. I think Ingram might be in his high 20s. I'm not sure. I'm, I think he's 32. Yeah, okay, Melvin Ingram. I'm looking them all up as I'm talking here very very quickly. I'm, I'm working at the speed of my Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, he's 31 again, too. Uh, so all those guys are early 30s. Justin Houston is early 30s. He's been here. He's had 10-plus sacks two years. I mean, what more do you want from, from a defensive end, really? Oh, I want more consistency. He has 10-plus sacks. I mean, come on. Like, out of all these guys, I, I, I don't see anybody clearly better than Justin Houston. So, and he's been healthy. And he's been here, and the guys are in the locker. He knows the locker room. He knows what's expected of him, and he's been healthy. And like, it, there's no reason in my mind to take any of these other guys over Justin Houston other than money. If money is an issue, if you're really trying to get other contracts done, like the Nelson, like the Leonard, like the Braden Smith contracts, and money is an issue, then maybe you go for a cheaper option. But in terms of production on the field, I just don't see any of those guys as explicitly better. So this is this is about when they got Houston last year, I believe, or two years ago, I believe. Yeah, it was seven to ten days into free agency, right. I think. Yeah, right. And, and again, if he's waiting for that big contract, it, it's not going to happen. I, yeah. I, he, he's he's to the point now in his career where he's sort of the hired gun, where you're going to go someplace for a year, two years. And again, I, I'm kind of like with you, and I, and I take this back with the T. Y. Hilton, where we were talking about. Uh, he he's your best option. He just is. He he he's the most enticing option. He's the most non-risk option out there of, of these people. And he's not going to give him a hometown discount because this isn't hometown. But I, I just think that he makes the most sense. Uh, he, he's got a ton of respect, like you said, in the locker room. But on top of that, he's he he's got the potential in 16 games to give you. 10, 12 sacks and the, and the 25 quarterback hits. Uh, and the other guys are just, you're just kind of rolling the dice on them. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, outside of them, wide receiver tight end, still possible to make a move there. Um, uh, all the big name guys are gone. The only quote unquote big name, I think, in both of those is Zach Ertz at tight end, is possible as a cut from the Eagles or a trade from the Eagles. Um, but, but after that. Um, is, Je- is Jeremy Sprinkle really a name? That, that's what Joe Joe <laughs> threw this on the list. Is like who the heck is Jeremy Sprinkle? Richard Richard Rodgers does it. He's on Broadway, isn't he? Richard Rodgers. <laughs> that's yeah, how I, bad the tight end class is at this point. All right. the decent tight ends have been yeah. signed up. Yeah, I, I felt like I had to put someone who's actually available besides Zach Ertz because he still is under contract right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's look around the AFC South, see what some of these other teams are doing that the Colts are going to have to face throughout the year. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow me at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe for Colts news and notes throughout the week. Um, for the Tennessee Titans, this offseason has been pretty productive when you look at what they've done. Um, linebacker Bud Dupree, uh, five-year deal with the Titans, Thirty-five million guaranteed, worth up to eighty-five million dollars. 
So like Mike was saying earlier, the, the top talent gets the contracts no matter which offseason it is and what the salary cap uh, is like. That's going to happen. The Titans also added Danico Autry. Already been singing his praises a little bit earlier. Um, three years, $21.5 million, $9 million of that guaranteed. So this deal that Autry signed is even a little bit uh, heftier than the one he signed with the Colts three years ago. Uh, Janoris Jenkins, multi-year deal at cornerback. Uh, wide receiver Josh Reynolds. Linebacker Jayon Brown. And a couple offensive tackles as well that you got to bring in to try to fill for uh, Isaiah Wilson. That's his name, right? Isaiah Wilson. I'm off the top of my head. Who, uh, who's uh, the, their first round pick? Who they uh, dished for like a seventh round pick or something just because he was he was done in uh, in Tennessee. Yeah. yeah so he, and that 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 kid on his side, that kid needs help. Yeah, I, I agree. And I hopefully he's he been it. arrested. Oh boy, I didn't even see that. It, that, that that apparently happened. It was, it was it a. Uh, speeding or or whatever it was i saw and that that, that happened before that happened before the trade hmm, uh wow. so and, and, and he, he he went they, they they knew it they took a shot this kid forget about the nfl this kid needs to get his life together big time it looks like they joe they made a lot of good moves on the defense uh trying to shore up that side of the ball i think there there's some good playmakers that they've got there um, on the defensive line, and uh, Jayon Brown, Janor Jenkins in the uh, secondary as well. Um, but y- you look at what they've lost. They lost a couple of really good playmakers on offense. Johnny Smith at tight end, Corey Davis at wide receiver, really had a pretty solid year last year. Adam Humphreys was pretty reliable for them. He's still a free agent, to be fair. But as much as you look at what they've done on the, off- uh, the defensive side of the ball, offense may be a little bit lacking, so you figure maybe that's where the Titans could be aiming when the uh, draft comes around. Yeah, they they got. I mean, they br- did bring in Josh Reynolds, who's been a. He's almost like been the Rams Zach Pascal. He's just been the rock solid wide receiver four, but he's a guy who you want to be your three or four. You don't want him to be your number two. So they probably right. will attack offense or the secondary because they cut Adore Jackson, Malcolm Butler, Kenny Vaccaro. Um, they let you know it's almost like they cut the secondary so that they could sign more players on the defensive line. Uh, with Dupree and Autry so and I get that I'd rather have the pass rush than the cover players because it's easier to cover if you don't have to cover for as long so but but the Titans I'm not sure I'm not convinced they've gotten better they're different but it just kind of seems like between the players that have left and have been added it's kind of treading water it kind of evens out a little bit in my mind what about the Houston Texans here? It would be hard for them to get worse. So we uh, we think by the process of elimination, the Houston Texans are better through free agency now. But boy, what an active free agency period it's been. Three trades, 22 free agency signings. Of course, the one looming uh, over everything right now is the Deshaun Watson situation with Houston. And that's uh, to be determined. But you look outside a quarterback... Uh, offensive tackle Marcus Cannon in a trade with the Patriots. Defensive end Shaq Lawson in a trade with the Miami Dolphins. Um, they send away Bernardrick McKinley there in a seventh-round pick uh, to get Shaq. Uh, excuse me. Uh, a couple quarterbacks in Ryan Finley and Tyrod Taylor come in. Running back Philip Lindsay, who had a tremendous year a couple years ago as a rookie in, uh, in Denver. Mark Ingram as well, uh, who I don't think is over the hill by any stretch of the imagination. Um, a lot of wide receivers. Chris Conley, Andre Roberts, Alex Erickson, and our boy, Dante, celebrate after a five-yard catch on third and seven Moncrief uh, for a, for a one-year deal. Uh, a couple on the offensive line. I mean, I, I could keep going on this list, but but Mike, this is just, this is a fire, well, not a fire sale. It's kind of the opposite. They had a fire sale, and now they need to bring in some, some somebody, anybody else. 
25 players. Yeah. And we haven't even been to the draft yet or the post-draft. So let's let's say they have 25 players like this. I don't know what their draft is, probably eight or nine players. And then you always sign 10 undrafted guys. We will, we will not recognize the Houston Texans on opening day, especially if Deshaun Watson isn't out there. So I look at all these names and I'm thinking – who, who, who's going to make a difference? Shaq Lawson, you hope. But beyond that, Philip, and I, tell you, I like Philip Lindsay. I think he's a good player. And the same with Ingram. But the rest of them are just guys almost personified by Dante Moncrief. This is like his sixth team, I think it is. It's ludicrous, yeah. And, and he was drafted not that long ago. So a lot of moves. Uh, but <laughs> I look at the I look at the key losses – those are the ones that, that, that jump out at me, not not the guys that they've signed. Yeah, um, the, a young guy by the name of JJ Watt. That, that, that's that's a loss, a big one. As Will, is Will Fuller's Fuller. a loss. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Nick Martin at center was a pretty good player. I mean, uh, yeah, they they have big guys they lost, and like you said, Mike, guys, just guys that they brought in. So they're throwing a lot at the wall and seeing what sticks right now. Which is kind of what you do sometimes if you're just revamping a franchise. It seems like that's what Chris Ballard, Correct. yeah, Chris Ballard did uh, when when he took over. Um, bring in everybody and see what see what works. Um, so, are they going to be better? Yeah, I think so. Are they still going to struggle? Yeah, I think so. So we'll see what the Texans are are, are, are like in 2021. How about the Jaguars? Cornerback uh, Shaquille Griffin, three years, forty four and a half million dollars. That is a big deal. And Shaquille Griffin's good cornerback. So. A very deserved safety, Rayshon Jenkins. So the Jaguars, Joe, doing exactly what you said you you would not do, and they're they're putting all the big money into the secondary instead of the defensive line. Um, they are still working on the defensive line, though. It's more smaller money. Dwayne Smoot, uh, Tyson Alualu, Malcolm Brown, uh, Roy Robertson Harris. Um, so uh, they're they're doing a little bit on the defensive side. Some offensive, like I like Marvin Jones as a wide receiver. I think he's an, un, an underrated player. Um, Carlos Hyde at running back as well, two years, six million for him. Um, they're bringing in CJ Beathard as a quarterback, uh, two years, uh, five million dollar plus incentives. Um, so nothing again really jumps out of the page except for what they're doing in the secondary. I mean, those are especially at the top; those are two big guys at corner and safety. Um, but that—that's a. It always strikes me as where where do people want to spend money? And you spend big money in the secondary. And you're a team that's been kind of at the bottom of the rankings. I, I I don't know if that's the best possible way to go forward as a friend. That's that's just me, maybe. But I know that's also Chris Ballard, who likes to spend money in the trenches and work from the inside out. The Jaguars working from the outside in on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think part of the reason for that is they've spent their first-round pick the past two years on pass rushers and Josh Allen and Clavon Chase on. So they get a couple first-rounders coming off the edge there that they hope come on for them. Uh, and then they get Griffin to pair with uh, C.J. Henderson, first-round pick corner from last year. So now they have two good corners and hope hope that they have two good young pass rushers. We'll see if they come on. Uh, you know, Allen flashed his rookie year. I think he had like 11 sacks. Chase on uh, needed a little more time. He didn't do as much this past season for them. But I got to say, looking at all these teams, I think I like what the Jaguars did the most. I mean, they just added good, solid players. Um, 
yeah, the Griff, Griffin got paid, but it's a three-year deal. It's not like a five-year, $80 million deal or something like that. So, uh, I, I, in Jaguars still, I think, have $40 million left. I think the first or second most in the NFL. So, you know, I kind of like what they're doing. I don't mind it. And, oh, by the way, Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah, him too. So, so again, it's, you, you talk about a team that you – I've kind of gotten numb to Jacksonville – potential because it's, it's it's only like once in the last 15 years has it really you know shaped up and turned out to be true so until i see how they put all this together uh that they've got to be better they just have to be tennessee i agree that tennessee i i need to see how uh they compensate for the offensive losses at houston i don't care how many players they change i don't care how many additions subtractions until they get deshaun watson resolved one way or the other and you know they've got this line let's not even talk about the sexual uh, allegations the fact that he's made it very clear he doesn't want to play there so are you going to show who's boss and make him sit or are you going to try to maximize what you've got until they resolve that how do you bank anything on the Texans Uh, yeah I wouldn't but there, there's no doubt, Joe, the Colts are the least active team so far. You can't question that. Absolutely. And last thing on the Jaguars, they have two first-round picks and two second-round picks. Now, good of point. course, they got to choose good players. Um, but but they're really set up to, if they make the right moves, kind of rebuild this in the correct way with the quarterback and decent players around them, and hopefully their draft picks become stars for them. But, yeah, you look at these four teams here in the division, and while the Colts have done the least this offseason, they handled the most important piece, which is the quarterback. That That's a big move that we uh, uh, haven't really talked about too much today. Is While you look at this roster and go, well, is it is it better or worse than the last season? I think that's really going to fall on how much better or worse Carson Wentz is than Phillip Rivers because it's going to be a pretty similar roster to it to what it was last season if they can find the left tackle in the draft and if they can bring back Justin Houston. And one, I'm sure one thing, go ahead. One, one thing one thing in the Colts roster, if you sit here today and say, is this roster better than it was in the loss to Buffalo, you have to say no, it's not. Because you don't know who your left tackle is. You know, we can speculate a, a, a draft, and you don't know who your pass rusher is. So – while this is a very, very solid roster top to bottom, which is why they've not been super active because they didn't need to be, they still have two glaring holes at, at two important spots. And it, it's sort of make or break with Carson Wentz. If, if he is not, if he is not Phillip Rivers plus something, then they won't be a better team. People kind of blow off Phillip Rivers a year, year last year. Pretty good year. Uh, certainly I think exceeded expectations. If Carson Wentz is only Phillip Rivers, this is a pretty good team. But but so much, like Joe said, depends on getting out of Carson Wentz what you need to get out of Carson Wentz. And I'm sure we'll continue to discuss the news and notes around free agency for the next coming weeks, but also our attention will shortly turn to the NFL draft. It's just about one month away now as we really start to see what the Horseshoes roster will shape up like when kickoff comes 
in the fall of 2021. That'll wrap up this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We do thank you for listening. Encourage you to subscribe. Get this delivered to your podcast listening device every week when it drops, usually Thursday afternoons, early evenings. I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveG underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. And we as a unit are the at Colts Blue Zone for the podcast. So we'll see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.